Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy G. Hi, everybody. This is Sean C. I guess. You might remember us from the Pie Factory podcast. Then again, you might not. And whenever we're not recording the Pie Factory podcast, we're li- what, what, listening. What's the matter? What's going on? <laughs> what's going <laughs> on? Wow, Gesundheit. The SNES podcast. What do you think? uh, I think you better go wipe. Not that kind of podcast. Oh, well. Hi, Greg. Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 51. Uh, uh, I'm your uh, one of your regular hosts, Greg, and I'm joined, joined by the other regular host, uh, George. What the dreck? <laughs> uh, and we are doing one of uh, George's picks, like for a game, this episode. Um, a very interesting, curious, and definitely, like, you know, definitely like unique game. So, um, do you want to tell the audience what game that you picked for us today, George? Shallow Run. Yeah, Shadowrun for the Super NES, which is important to say because Shadowrun the Genesis it plays it plays, it plays a totally different game. So. Oh, I would I would I would think they would know it's for the SNES. This mm-hmm. being the SNES podcast. Yes, I yes I I know they know that, but I'm I'm also I'm also saying that because of the fact that during this time period, a lot of Super NES and Genesis games were identical to one another, uh, with very minor differences. But not in this case, so. And we'll get into that, like why that is, like later on. Oh but, yeah, they they are they are totally different. But anyway, um, what made you decide to pick this game, George? I liked it. Okay. What was your? Give us more. When was your first time playing it? <laughs> uh, first time playing it, I want to say a few years ago. What made you decide to check it out? Uh, I heard people talking about it on a podcast and I completely forget 
what podcast it was on. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, they talked about it, and I was like, oh, Shadowrun? I didn't, I did not know Shadowrun was on these consoles, so, yeah, uh, check it out, because I do, I do like Shadowrun. Um, there are not enough Shadowrun games, and that be it, there are not enough good Shadowrun games. True, both counts, yeah, so. Yes. Um, um, they're, they're, they're making up for it now, mm-hmm, yeah. but they're, they're good, but they're, and I enjoy them, the, the new Shadowrun games, but they're not well, you exactly can... what I want out of them. <laughs> well, if you give me like a million half dollars, like I'll be able to make like a great game for you too. But... <laughs> oh, sure, okay. Let me just go do that, Greg. Well, that's how much, well, the, well, that's how much the Kickstarter raised, but, um, because I was part of that Kickstarter, but, yeah. um, but yeah, we will, we will talk about that like later on here briefly, but, oh, I hope so. um, it's curious you mentioned a podcast though, because I'm only aware of one of the podcasts that's even covered this game. So, um, it certainly, it certainly is very underrated. You're right about that. Yeah. Um, because this game, because this game, this game, this game was reviewed very well when it came out. Um, she had some very high marks, but the game was a commercial failure in the marketplace. Um, oh, for sure. re- like for reasons, just like reasons, for, like for reasons we will get into here shortly. So, um, right. yeah, I know of Shadowrun, the pen and paper game. Uh, I've never, I've never actually played it. I um, wish I had. Uh, I'm familiar with the basic premise of it and the history of it and, 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 and things like that. So, um, yeah, Shadowrun is still being, is still being published today. You can still, like, like still go to hobby store like buy if you want to. Yep. I, I am aware of that. I, I, I would be the only person in my group to play it, <laughs> uh, because uh. they, they're, I have no one. <laughs> Well, for those of you out there who don't really have any familiarity with Shadowrun, um, it's a pen and paper RPG game, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. Cyberpunk. Um, yes, that, yep, uh, very unique with the cyberpunk setting, uh, which is not, which is a setting that really, which is a setting that I really enjoy because it's a setting, that, because it's a setting that's pretty unique and, and a setting, that, a setting, a setting that's not really been used for too many games in the past. The thing um, is, uh, whenever, whenever a game is cyberpunk, it, it's, it's not, it's not the popular choice to make a game cyberpunk, but True. I feel like when it is, a lot of it feels kind of cookie cutter. Well, there are two very good franchises of uh, games out there that are based that are based very heavily in cyberpunk: uh, the System Shock and, and Syndicate franchises. Right, and those those don't feel like those cookie cutter games, whereas mm. like other games, they they're not specifically cookie cutter. But a lot of the things, the themes and and the art style is kind of cookie cutter in a way. Mm, sure, but uh, yeah. yeah, cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is kind of difficult, difficult to make a good game out of. Like anyway, I think so. There has, uh, to, be, there has to be some yes and no. Like a lot of it has to be. It can't really be like you could probably pull off a shooter, but you know it, it probably has to be some kind of RPG. Oh, they tried a shooter, believe me. <laughs> Yeah, they we will did. get into that. <laughs> are you talking about the Syndicate game? No. Which one are you talking about? There was a um, uh, the Shadowrun first-person shooter game. Oh, see, because <laughs> I also have another. Uh, it's it's kind of RPG, but it's a lot a lot of shooter based. Mm. Um, and that's a uh, game built off the Source engine called uh, I E Y E Divine Cybermancy. Um, never heard of it. That's, check it out. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. You can you can really go into different trees. Like you could just be like a guy that just shoots guns, or you could be a guy that hacks enemies and <laughs> controls them and 
It's insane. But yeah, uh, back to, to the SNES Shadow Run. Now that I think about it, though, actually, the Deuce X franchise also uses some cyberpunk elements, too. So. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 it's interesting because it's, I believe it's some kind of cyberpunk, but it's, it's so realistic in a way that it doesn't feel like it's cyberpunk. Mm. But it, you just reminded me that I need to go and play, uh, Human Revolution mm. more. <laughs> Yeah, cyberpunk's also cyberpunk's also is also interesting to look at now because cyberpunk is definitely is definitely like like definitely product of its age. Because, oh, especially looking at old cyberpunk. Yeah, because like Shadowrun was Shadowrun was originally came out in 1989, um, and you can tell right away it's from the 80s. It's from the 80s. Like everybody, like all Americans were convinced the Japanese like going to take over. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and also, and also, and also like when like. Like when current high tech terms hadn't really become standard yet, so it's like you know, like for example, the first edition of the game made reference to like something called headjacking, so okay, yeah. which is to which was changed later on to become like hacking, uh, like normal, like normal, like normal security system hacking. So right, right. Um, it's really curious. <laughs> you could also you could also tell by the CRTs. Yes. <laughs> um, so this game was originally published by a big company, well, not really a big company, a popular company uh, known as FASA, uh, F-A-S-A, which is probably best known besides this besides this series as also having published uh, the um, uh, the um, uh, the Mech Warrior franchise, which is also still around today. So to me, FASA sounds like some kind of uh, slang that would be in Shadowrun. <laughs> Some kind of word that's offensive or something. I forget what the acronym stands for. I probably should have thought about that. Or should have thought about this before we started recording. So let me let me find out like real quick. Yeah, because FASA, you, maybe you'd be able to call somebody a FASA, or it's it sounds like an insult or something like that. Like it sounds like it would fit in the Shadowrun world. Uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Founded like like founded in 1980. They're still in business. Oh, um, okay. But they uh, it does not see out here where the name came from. Federal Arms Salutation Army. That's what it stands for. <laughs> uh, it has nothing to do with video games, Greg. What are you talking about? <laughs> Very well, like might not. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so um, there were there's only been a few uh, computer uh, computer or video games based off based off based off Shadow Run, as George mentioned 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 earlier. Mm. Uh, this game we're talking about tonight was the very first one, uh, which came up. Uh, uh, this uh, this originally uh, Shadow Run Super NES was developed by a was developed by an Australian company, uh, which is known. I'm known as a, um, uh, as a, uh, as, as Beam as Software. Originally, 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 their name was, their, originally, their, their name was Chrome Studios. Um, well, that was Chrome Studios. Yes. Okay. Uh, they were in business from 1997 to, to 2010. So, um. Oh, that recent. Yes. Um, and the, and the game was published in North America and Japan by Data East, which was a pretty big company at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and Bream, and Bream, and Bream sub, and Bream sub published the game in Europe, uh, under their own, uh, like under, like under a subsidiary of theirs called Lazy Beam Entertainment. 
Uh, the game came out first in the West. It came out in North America in May, 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 May 1993, and then in PAL land in August 1993. And then finally, finally got translated uh, for Japanese release in March, uh, in March 1994. This and game's about one year older than I am. <laughs> and except for having like a slightly longer intro and having the um like having all the english text directly di- directly subtitled there's no differences no differences between the japanese and western versions okay um the following year there was a game came out for genesis uh by a different company um the blue sky software uh published the published 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 published, published genesis the genesis uh, shadow run game um, there was also there was also a game uh, for the Sega CD in Japan only in '96, and people are translating it. Which trivia note that was the very last Sega CD game ever made. Oh, okay. So, um, I don't. Do you do you know anything about the translation project? No, I don't. Okay, I I'm not sure if they're finished or they're close to finishing or. I, I don't know what the progress is. I know that people are working on the translation though, and it seems like a very interesting game. So then the franchise was quiet for a long time. Like they tried to revive it in 2007 uh, with a very uh, horrible first person uh, shooter Xbox and PC game uh, just li- with, with, with like all the names slapped onto it, nothing else. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then luckily in 2013, uh, a company got the rights to the, a company got the rights to the franchise and, and did a very successful Kickstarter uh, to make a new game. Called Shadowrun Returns, and there's also another game called uh, Shadowrun Chronicles: Boston Lockdown. Hmm. Um, that. So I've I've had it for quite some time. I got it when it was in early access on Steam. Um, it has a it's 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 been fully released. Uh, I don't even know how long ago, a decent amount of time ago, um, and I played it somewhat recently. And it's 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 really cool. It kind of plays like Shadowrun Returns, but it's uh, 3D and uh, tech trees are a little bit different in getting skill points and mm-hmm. yeah. stuff like that is is a little bit different. But uh, it's basically the the same game, but uh, this one is you're in control of your character a little bit more. You're not stuck to like defined the defi- the defined story from the vanilla game. Um, you also, uh, there's multiplayer stuff. I have not looked into it yet, but it looks like you could do co-op multiplayer and, and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to, uh, travel around different parts of Boston. Yeah. No, I've not spent a lot of time on Shadowrun, Shadowrun Returns, like, even though I backed the game bad on me, but, um, <laughs> I do like the game, like for what it is. And they got some, th- and they got some same people like involved with the earlier Shadowrun games, like involved, uh, like in the creation of this one. And, and mind blown when I found this out. How they managed to get this to get this done, I have no freaking idea. But they somehow managed. To, they somehow managed to make the game work, work like works like worked at it work works a sequel for both the Super NES and Genesis Shadowrun games, which have which are two totally different uh, uh, storylines and plot lines to them. Yeah. So I, that is that is quite interesting. I have no idea how they managed to, how they managed to do it, but they did it. <laughs> Anything's possible if you put your mind to it, great. Yeah, so. <laughs> anyway, this game here, though, this is a, this is a, um, uh. A, Good game. Um, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> Whoa. Um, oh, it's, man. 
it's it, it, it's interesting and unique because this game this game is a fantasy action RPG game, and it's very unique in the sense that in the sense that this game is very computer centric. It feels like a computer like like it feels like a computer game. It feels it feels like a game that would that should be on the computer, but like a, a few things were watered down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because of the yeah, wired down because of the the size, the, the, the available size of the cartridges, the processor yeah. limitations, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So, but um, it, but it's it's also kind of like an adventure game as well. Yes. Yeah, has some adventure aspects. Yeah, um, which I really liked, and it's not it's not crazy. You don't have to put the screw under the couch so the cat can eat it and vomit <laughs> up your wallet or anything. But there are some very like um, obscure puzzle solutions, I will say. Yes, <laughs> yes, but it's nothing ridiculous like. Mm-hmm a LucasArts game or something. So this game is very, like this game is like, this game is loosely, very loosely. I should add, uh, based off a novel, uh, the very, uh, the very first Shadowrun book that was written, uh, which is called, which is called never deal of a dragon, uh, which was, which was written by, which was written, written by one of the, uh, co-founders of the Shadowrun franchise that began in the first place, in the first place by Robert, by Robert and, uh, Charette. So, um, you, so in this game, you take on, you take on the role of a character, of a character like the name of Jake Armitage, uh, it, the game's set in Seattle, like near 2050, and you wake up, uh, seemingly back from the dead with amnesia and trying to figure out, uh, who you are and who hired you and what's going on in the city and that kind of stuff. Uh, pretty typical adventure there. There's a bunch of games that have used, uh, amnesia as kind of like a plot to, to, to a plot, plot device and whatnot. But, a lot of Japanese games. Yeah. So, which is strange because it's, which is strange because this game is definitely not Japanese. No, um, it's not. So. Um, so to get to get into the whole amnesia thing for a second, I honestly don't have a problem with it. Like, you're not going to be able to create the most unique story in the world, but it's it's all how you you take care of what you add into the story. So amnesia depends on how, how well you take care of it. It doesn't really bother me that a lot of tropes are in stories and video games and, and whatnot right now. It's just, it's how well it's done. Um, in this game, it's, it's fine. It's not the best thing ever, but it, it, it gives you a motive to figure out what's going on and, and why you are where you are. Hmm. Well, I think that I think that's I think that some of the problems and difficulties that this game runs into are probably like are probably like a result of as a result like about this game's a turbulent history. This game had a very, shall we say, uh, fractured uh, life in life like it be developed. Um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Shadowrun was Shadowrun was immediately a hit to when it was published in 1989 because the uh, the market, the market at that time period, the the, the framework, uh, the, the the game, the game is pretty much uh, you're the right place at the right time, I think. Mm-hmm. So like the game was very popular when it came out, uh, and Beam was able to beat out some of the companies to be able to obtain the rights to make a video game um, uh, based off uh, based off the Shadowrun franchise. So it's, it's like so I started working on one. It was probably going to be. Uh, the research I did in the research I did on this didn't indicate what system it was designed for, but probably uh, I'm probably gonna say the computer because being got their start making computer games, um, Super NES didn't even exist by 1989 yet. Uh, <laughs> right, right. So, um, 
But uh, but after being developed for a couple of years, the lead developer of the game uh, suddenly suddenly quit the company and moved to England to moved to England to cheerily start his own company. So the game's half done, and Beam was frustrated because of the fact they had a lot of money uh, laid out for it already, and they had publishing rights and everything else kind of lined up for That's it. A so, shame. but so they brought somebody else in um, from Beam's parent company, Melbourne House. Uh, uh, a, a well-known fantasy and sci-fi writer, uh, somebody named like Paul Kidd, uh, to take over to take over as, 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 as the designer, but he came in he came into a project that was already half done in trouble and had it and was given a deadline by the publisher Data East the game had to be finished like in six months period. <laughs> so video games, everyone. This is how, <laughs> this is how it works. This is how it works even to this day. Guys, we only have half the assets. All right, we want you done in five months, and we're cutting your budget uh, to 25% of what it originally was. Uh, finish the game and make us millions. So he did the best job he could, uh, given the circumstances, uh, using like using like using good part of the assets and work and the work and story the story the story that had already been um, uh, created beforehand, um, and they tried to. Um, he also, uh, Paul Kidd was also the main designer behind it, the main designer behind it, behind another game, uh, kind of similar, kind of similar, kind of similar like by nature to this game, um, uh, they called a um, uh, nightshade, like the NES. Oh, I'm familiar with that. Game. Yeah. So he, so so he's so so because of the tight time frame, he borrowed some ideas and as, uh, and like art aspects uh, from Nightshade uh, to come over to this game. Um, so they wrote the game originally, like originally, like originally, like much more uh, crude script with a lot more sexually suggestive and violent phrases to it. Um, better keeping with the Shadowrun franchise and the whole idea behind it, and everything and everything. But um, Dadies ixnade that idea though because they wanted the game to be able to be more family friendly and uh, um, like to be able to have more worldwide appeal. So they modif- <laughs> like so they modified the script uh, some before the final release. They what? They wanted this guy, this this game, family friendly, but uh, basically the first thing you see is murder in an alleyway. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, PG rating, but I'm P- <laughs> PG murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were able to finish the game just in time, like for the deadline. Uh, oh. Kid, uh, kid, they said like, yeah, kid, they did, yeah, kid, they, later said like an interview. Probably seriously, I thought I detect some sarcasm in his voice as saying this, that he was able to obtain this goal by keeping the staffers uh, away from company meetings and workshops and keeping management, keep management turn, playing turn away from the developers. I mean, I have <laughs> to give credit to all of them because that's that's a rough thing to go through having like the game half finished. And then so the game, because of that, feels kind of like jumbled together in parts i think it kind of uh, does it also feels like it's missing some stuff mm, yes definitely yeah. yeah but but again i mean like you know i see this game a lot more positive light of light now that i've now now done the research the research on this because i'm like because i'm like man like what a cluster a cluster mess this was i mean but, the, the you were gonna say something there for a second yes uh, i was <laughs> <laughs> the thing is i still enjoy it and i really i really like it so um, I don't know. I uh, when we get to that point, I would really like to hear what you have to say about this Let's game. 
let's get into the gameplay then. Uh, you're basically oh, gameplay. You're basically moving around in to, 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 to move, move around the world world like an iso, uh, like an isometric uh, viewpoint. Um, you uh, you have your you have your you have your standard adventure like adventure dialogue uh, boxes for conversations and uh, conversations like and also for like going going around rooms like looking for things like you know like right. t- talk, look, read, search, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, and you um, when you when you talk to people, you can learn keywords. Yeah, you use later on in the game. And the fun part of that is using every single word and learning basically the same one line that that person gives you when they don't know what you're talking about. And then also, and also learning a keyword that you use only one time and never have to use again. And then <sighs> the end of the game have like forty like forty keywords like clustering up your inventory. Tell me about dog. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Tell me about key. I don't know anything about that. Tell me about firearms. I don't know anything about that. What do you know? Please tell me. You se- you seem like the most ignorant man in the world. <laughs> or uh, I'm trying to think of some of the things that people say. But I, I, I really can't remember anything, really. Well, there's a lot of a... Uh... Curious dialogue, and I don't know how much this dialogue is actually is actually straight from the is actually is actually straight from the Shadowrun books, or just like, like as opposed to how much of it was kind of maybe Shadowrun slang being used being used being used a time period. Uh, like for example, like for example, for the start of the game, uh, the two guys who put you in the morgue uh, say that your brain's burnt. Okay, and I'm going like burnt. The hell do you mean by that? <laughs> well, they tried to use it as a toaster, and they they burnt the toast. <laughs> That's why it's burnt. Uh, yeah. Oh, and when your character wakes up, then he does an actual. He literally does, he, he literally does like a cartwheel, like out of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, you didn't have a headache beforehand, like you do now. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> and then the two guys freaked out when they saw him up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So. And then they they hid in the closet. So um, when you're in this a uh, um, um, uh, main gameplay screen, you uh, movement's done by moving a cursor like around the screen. And yes, this is painful as it sounds. Uh, there are moving moving cursors on screens with a with a keypad is never a good idea. Uh, I excuse it for, I excuse it for a game like Maniac, uh, uh, Maniac Mansion because Maniac Mansion is so freaking awesome. But for something like this, it's so friggin' slow. It's well, like, I mean, know, the the thing is, like, you you want to p- pick something up, look at something. You got to be standing next, basically next to it anyway. So mm-hmm. walking is is much easier than moving the cursor. Yeah, this game came out later and supported the Super NES mouse we talked about, like in the last episode. Sure, that'd be a godsend. That would have been awesome. <laughs> like I said Man. before, this game has a very PC-ish feel to it. Yeah. And more so, and, and probably most so, like at the cursor. But um, yeah, and 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 when you're out, like when you're out and about in the world, you can get attacked by unknown enemies and, and unknown assailants. And combat most, most is, of the time. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, no, but that's, most that's most of the time they're they're always in the same spot though. So combat in this game is interesting. Do you want to talk about the combat system, George? Well, you take out your cursor, you point. And you press the button, and you hope you hit them. <laughs> that's especially that, that's especially basically especially hope on that, like in the last part. Well, the thing is, if you keep if you keep leveling up your firearms level, you'll um you'll you'll get a definite hit. Mo- you will 
not a definite hit, but it'll be like a 95% chance of hitting them or, or, or something like that. The combat system um, does, yeah, the combat system does get better as you go, like as you advance the game, as you, like as you buy better weapons. Yeah. Um, and as you, like, you, you improve your skills. But... I figured out I wasted a lot of karma on firearms because I oversaturated my skill. Um, they should have really, they should really cap it off because, um, you're, you, you don't really get much of a change after you get your firearms up to a specific point. I was just going to say, I wasted a lot of karma. uh, this game, this game now that, that'd be fair. This is the statement I'm going to make is typical of any game of this type of this time period. The games of this time period did very little, if any, hand-holding or tutorials or help or guiding oh, yeah. in any way, period. Usually the manual is the, the, manual is the only place you're going to get help in. Uh, like games, like, like games this time period. But this game really could have used a little bit of, uh, or, or really could have used a little bit of guidance at least, because if you make the wrong choices in your skills, or spend your money the wrong way, or miss certain characters, certain items, God help you, because you're going to have a really difficult time trying to finish this game. I'll be honest with you, I didn't really, as far as I got, I didn't finish the game, but as far as I got. Uh, I didn't really have too much trouble. The only problem I had was uh, learning that you have a bomb in your head. Mm. And then you can't save. And you only have, I think, like five hours in real life. Yes. To to uh, take care of that. If you already have the... Do- if, yeah, if you, already, if you already know the doctor beforehand who can, uh, who can, who, who can take care of that for you... Uh, it definitely helps you a great deal. See, the thing is, I couldn't figure out how to trigger... Because I found the doctor, but I didn't know how to trigger him, so I decided to go to the first doctor. And then he's like, oh, whoops, I'm I'm sorry, go to this doctor instead. And then I shot him and killed him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I made sure I got my refund first, and then I killed him. Um, and you don't, you don't lose... Like, they don't give you a message about that. Mm. So if you... If you shoot at innocent people, uh, it'll give you a mess. It'll give you a message, and I think, was it? It kills you or something if you keep shooting innocent people. But uh, you can that, just yeah. you can just straight out kill this doctor, which right. is great. But um, I figured that out, and I was like, oh well, good thing I save often. So I just <laughs> went back to the save, and uh, I collected some money, and I, I figured out what I had to do. And yeah, the thing is, the game feels so closed up. For the beginning, and then once you get to that point where you really need to go see that doctor, it starts opening up. But it has that—I don't know if it's really a problem, but it has that typical older RPG thing where you can go into an area where you shouldn't really be due to like low-leveled skills and yes, stuff like yep. that, and just right. be blasted away easily. Um, it's a good thing that I did a lot of grinding, so I put like I put hours into grinding, just like in total, not like. Not just sitting there for five hours grinding, but like, you know, going to the game and playing it for like half an hour and just grinding or going yeah. and, and getting through the story for a little bit, playing like an hour and, and grinding at, at some point, you know? Right. So my skills were built up and I had a decent amount of money and, and like doing the arena and stuff uh, really helps yeah. you out. So right. eventually you have to, I believe it's like going, go, you have to go into hiding or something. Um, and, uh, somebody helps you out and you have to, what you have to do is to get out. You have to either, 
uh, fight the king in the arena and kill him. This is like some kind of junkyard as well. Um, you have to fight the king in the arena, which is he's he's the last battle, which I didn't even get to him, and I I still get wrecked uh, by I think I'm like a few guys away from him, and I'm getting completely wrecked. But uh, or you could just pay him and you can uh, leave, and that's basically to the point where you need to try to fix your uh, what's it called data jack mm-hmm. yes. in your head, and you uh, like we said before, go to the doctor and figure out. There's a cortex bomb in your head, um, and that's great. But there's around that area, there's also a gun store where, uh, oh boy, uh, trying to figure out what gun to get is 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 not the greatest. <laughs> I think you could actually buy a gun that is worse than the gun that you have already. You can, yes. Yeah, so. and then the and then the other ones are better. I bought the shotgun eventually. I finally got money for that. Um, that's a shotgun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shotguns of the game, but... And um, I think you could buy, like, a set of armor or something that barely does anything, but it's 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 helpful. Right. Um, yeah, and buying stuff is not so user-friendly, because you have to go in and, like, ex- inspect the item to buy it. You don't walk up to, like, the guy running the shop, which it kind of makes sense in a way, but it doesn't, because it's so counterintuitive. Like, you would think you would go to the shop... Uh, the shopkeeper and say, I want to buy. And then he'd be like, okay, this is what I have. But you have to inspect the item. And it tells you about the item and it's not very clear on what it does. It tells you what it does, but it's not very clear on it. Uh, it doesn't give you any stat, like it doesn't tell you any stats or anything. Right. Um, and then it tells you how much it is and it asks you if you want to buy it. Um, selling things is very cryptic. Uh, you have to actually give the item to the shopkeeper and he'll say that he'll give you X amount of money for it. You don't have a menu for it. So you have to, because when you think of giving something to somebody, you think you're, you're getting rid of it in a game like this, but it's, it's giving to giving it to them and they say, I will give you this much. It's, it's a little confusing. Right. Yeah. Well, yep. Uh, that's a very good description of gameplay right there. Like you said, a lot Basically. of the same things. <laughs> like, you said a lot of the same things I was thinking about. Um, to add on to a few things of what you were saying, um, I do agree the game opens up a little bit toward the second half of the game. Yeah. This, but this game still, but this game still follows a very, a very linear path, especially if you know what you're doing. Um, um kind of. <laughs> I mean, there, there are. I don't know if you realize this, but. There are some side things you can do that are there, not there, necessary. There are a few side things, yes, but um, I also played. But I also played some. Of the, I also played some. Of the, I also played some of the Genesis version uh, of the game. I was curious, curious to see how they compared and whatnot. How did how did you how did you fare with that? Because I I, I own a copy of that as well. The Genesis uh, version. The Genesis versions. The Genesis version I like also because the Genesis version is a lot more open, like a non-linear than this one is. The problem uh, is I found the Genesis version to be very tough. Uh, it, I find myself dying constantly in that game because I found this version to be tougher. Because especially uh, really? the grinding you mentioned, the grinding you mentioned depends upon how much grinding you do in the game. Depends upon depends upon if you how good you are in following the clues and hints as to what to do and where to go next. Because to give you an example, uh, I totally missed um, a dog at the beginning of the game after you leave the hospital. Because I, because I didn't know that there was somebody out there looking for me, so I wandered off a different direction. I, a direction, so it took me a long time to figure out. Oh, I was supposed to go back and see this guy. So, oh, 
if you don't know what you're doing in the game, you can spend a lot of time fighting the like fighting enemies, walking around, getting lost, and getting lots of experience. I'm usually so. pretty bad at figuring out what to do, but in this game, I actually a, a lot of the things I found out what to do very easily. So if you know what you're doing in the game and you can go through the game quickly, uh, you do a very minimal minimal amount of grinding. But but for me, I but for me I was for me I ended up doing so much grinding first to have the game because I, first to have the game because I got so lost that was, that that's really overpowered like the second half of the game. See the thing so. is I was actively grinding. Mm. So and and it's it's very easy. All you have to do is just go to go to your car, uh, apartment complex uh, and open up the first door on the right. Walk in, kill the guys, walk out, walk back into the room and kill them again. And uh, getting getting karma, which is your skill points. Yes. Um, there is it doesn't tell you, but there's an experience system. Um, and, and different enemies have different levels of experience you get from killing them. Right. And getting X amount of experience will gain, you'll gain one karma from it. Right. Yep. Um, and that's why there are instances where you'll kill a big enemy and you'll get like four karma or eight karma or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, we haven't, uh, there's also, there's also, there's also one, there's also one other big important aspect of gameplay we haven't talked about yet. Uh, companions. Oh yeah. The th- it's, so there are there are a few skills that factor into uh, how companions are in this game. Um, and obviously, if you don't have the manual or you don't read the manual, you're not able to tell what these things do. But there's like charisma and, and leader. I think there's a leadership skill or something like that. Um, excuse me. Uh, there's it's 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 it doesn't tell you anything. Um, like everything else, <laughs> but you, you'll wonder what charisma does. And the thing is charisma does, um, I believe it gives you better prices in shops. Um, I think you're able to also lower the price of hiring, hiring shadow runners, which are people that are for contract fighters. Um, if you didn't know that, um, the thing is, there's I don't know if it's charisma or if it's another skill, but there's a skill that um, entirely bases how long a companion will stay with you, um, because it, if you have a a low a low skill, the companion will only stay with you for a few fights. But if you have a higher skill, it, the companion will stay uh, with you for like ten plus fights, fifteen plus fights, something like that. Um, I've also gotten companions killed because. Uh, they weren't very good, but they were basically my meat shield. <laughs> um, and I let them die. And I was like, well, that, that's things. But I only got them for like 900 new yen or, or something like that. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, companions are very companions are more critical in the first half of the game when your skills are not quite as good. Really? Uh, because the thing what I did was I just grinded right away. I didn't even... I That's kind of how I play games, I guess. I just, just like go... In grind, I didn't really need a companion, but uh, companions are helpful in, in in a few ways. Right, indeed, yes. So um, there's also there's also a very interesting uh, cyberspace uh, mini game you can do in this game as well. Like when you go hack, um, because you have to hack 
there's some there's some side quests that side quests that have side quests that have you that have you hacking and, and there's optional hacking you can also do in the game to earn money or like whatnot. Actually, if your skills are like if your skills are good enough, uh, hacking is the best way to earn money. Like you better money quickly in this game. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to play too much of the hacking stuff. The hacking game is interesting. It's kind of like a top-down perspective with your icon yeah. or your character moving through cyberspace. I I. I... I played through it and I, I got through, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name, but he, he's a character that, uh, Jake knows and, and he interacts with in earlier in the game. But, um, you could go through his computer and get some stuff. Uh, I played that and it was very short, but I was having a heck of a time figuring out what I had to do in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, the graphics for this game I thought were pretty good by Super Nintendo standards. I, I mean, there's, uh, um, I mean, there's, um, they're not, they're not. Um, I wouldn't call them top notch. Dude, but, look at that train ride. Um, but well, well, let me finish. I was going to say there's a lot. Of, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of detail. Um, there's not a lot of colors. I, I kind of found the color choices in the game were kind of like bleh, but I mean that's um, a stereotypical video game thing, though. Well, a lot of Super NES like games, a game, in, a game in this setting, or I, I suppose so. Just a lot, like a that. lot of a lot of Super NES games have a lot more vibrant, uh, vibrant colors than the they're, they're, they're doing the ones used in, in this game, though. Maybe some limitation there, the limitation of the engine. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know, but I feel like using vibrant colors in this game wouldn't fit because it's supposed to be. This crazy cyberpunk kind of serious kind of uh, thing, like super futuristic. Also, uh, like there are a lot of people living in like slums and yes, people yeah. living on the street. And like, why would it be vibrant? It would be more gloomy. Um, there are some, there are some, there are some like bright colors used for some of the scenes. For example, uh, the club, yes. uh, the club scene has some. Yes, and uh, it, it fits. It fits yeah, well. Right. The character portraits are interesting. <laughs> yeah, but the, you, you basically you see the same portrait for each type of character. But yes, yeah. uh, trolls are disgusting and ugly. Uh, uh, yeah, so the graphics are pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, they're not uh, they're not top notch, but they do fit the, the the nature and the theme of the game very well. And there's some very nice detail to it. I, I mean, you know what everything is. So that's a plus. Um, yeah. But the uh, music, music also, I think, is, uh, I, the, the music also, I think, is kind of a, uh, I think, it's, I think, it's a mixed bag. Um, yes, I, I agree with you. So some of the music is like, if you go to like clubs and bars, it's it's kind of rough. But then like, some of the music. When you're walking around outside, like it's it's pretty good. I was actually thinking that. Yeah, I was actually thinking the opposite. Uh, but I like the club music. Really? Yeah. I I would disagree with that. I. They tried to go with a cyberpunk kind of like kind of like theme for most of the for most of the music in the game, and for the most part, it works. But there are some, but there are some, but there are some areas where you're like, why are you using this piece of music for like this scene? So because he was very out of place. I definitely like uh, the battle music. The battle music is very good. Yep. Yes, so. and I also like the. Uh, Considering the, how much you're going to hear, it's like the good thing. It's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I'm trying to place where it is. It's the music that goes. Uh, it's it's like it'd probably be grating on somebody if they kept hearing it. But I kind of like the. You know what I'm talking about? So I like that kind. I kind of like that. 
Yeah, so the music, the, the music, I wouldn't call it being top notch. I wouldn't call it earworthy, oh, no. but yes, but, but for the game where you're playing, it's fine. I mean, it's perfectly good music to listen to, 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 listen to like the gameplay because because it does a job well enough of putting you, you know, putting you like in that environment, like inside the game. Um, so and you also it it, it kind of has to do with like the SNES hardware. Yeah, in in a way, like not saying it's bad or no anything. Yeah, but it's, yeah, definitely. So it's tough because it's. Because it's supposed to make more like an orchestrated kind of music where when it's cyberpunk, you don't really use an orchestra to make cyberpunk music. Yeah, I think it depends upon the game. It's Uh, more futuristic and and whatnot. That's why the Genesis kind of works in a way for for Shadowrun. Oh yeah. No, I agree with Genesis um I I think I think that I think the Genesis for the I think the Genesis Genesis Shadowrun game like like overall you do overall like a better music. Yeah, it's because the the music hardware is is different. The Genesis was more like right. It, yeah. It wasn't supposed to be like an orchestra, it was supposed to be just uh, you know, uh right. like sound yeah. waves and yeah. digital exactly. crap like that. <laughs> So we talked about controls a little bit already with that, just like that slow cursor that you push around the screen. I tell um, you, that's why you walk to things because walking is faster. But beyond that, the controls are. But beyond that, the controls are fine. I mean, like. Oh yeah, they work well. Yeah, I mean, there's no and there's bu- also shortcut buttons on the the yeah. uh, the shoulder. Yes. Uh, the shoulder yeah. buttons. What do you call them? I want to call them bumpers, but that's not right. They're shoulder buttons. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo. Nintendo at the time called them. Nintendo at the time called them. Called them. Called them shorter buttons. Everybody I knew back then called okay. them. They called them shorter buttons. But okay. nowadays we think of them as trigger buttons because of the because of modern controllers. But you know they were always. They were, but but they were designed. But they always designed the shorter buttons. So. Right, but right. yeah, the shortcut buttons like are very nice. So I have to ask you: Did you find the docks in this game? Mm, I'm not sure if I know what you're talking about. But- the docks where where ships go. Oh, yes, yes, I did. Yep. Did you find the octopus? Yes, I did. I. <laughs> it was just I was just walking around and I find this. Oh, hey, let me see if I could talk to this woman. Oh wait, it turned into a giant octopus that is now attacking me. <laughs> um, and then it spills some ink, and if you have a bottle, you can pick up the ink. There's also there's also a mermaid like creature which you can interact to which you like interact with also. Oh wait, really? Yeah. Where? Later on in the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I forget how far I, I got, but I, I guess I didn't get that far. Uh, and then at the end of all the warehouses, you find one with like a, I think it's like a dog spirit or something. I'm like, what is going on in this game? <laughs> it's very weird. But then again, but then again, but then again, it, that is keeping the spirit of like a virtual pen and paper game because pen and paper game is also yeah. very weird also. Yes. But, so um, I did finish this game uh, with the help of a walkthrough, like I admit. Um, you cheated. But a, a, walk, <laughs> a, a walkthrough of this game I think I think is needed. It's even, necessary, kind of. Yeah. Because even back then I'm going like, okay, I would definitely have been doing some calls like calls the game counselors like to help with this game, but um, as you go, but as you go through the game, you, you recover your memory, you find out who hired you, what your mission was, and you go about trying to trying to finish that mission that you were doing in the first place. Uh, we get you, we take you up to the final battle against the against the final you against the final. The, 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 uh, the final boss of the game, and this is about and, and um like even if you get lost, there's there's probably about a good 
eight to ten hours of gameplay here, I want to say. What is uh, the final boss of the game? Uh, without, without spoiling it too much, there is a... Yes, like, without spoiling spoiling a game that came out in 93. That probably nobody's ever played, so that's what I'm trying to be kind of like... Light- that people could just find on the internet. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm kidding you anyway. I, I was going like, to bring this up anyway. Um, <laughs> you find out your mission was to... You find out your, you find out your mission was to... Was to infiltrate a big company and to destroy... Uh, and to stop and destroy like an advanced AI. Uh, oh, okay. So that's what you do. So that's, that's very cyberpunky. Yep, it is. So is uh, that the is that the company that you can uh, walk up to and the security tells you to go away, but you could go and kill them? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I almost infiltrated that place. By the, final, the final battle doesn't happen there; it happens somewhere else. But you had to do. Um, uh, is that, it in a basement? No. Is it underground? No. Oh dang. Okay. It's, it's like it's on an island. <laughs> All right, that was my second guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that building that building is a late that building is late game dungeon. So, but uh, yeah, um, it's interesting you call it dungeons because as much as I played, it doesn't really feel like I've dungeons. always it, it's I, always like it doesn't really yeah for me it doesn't matter it, it, it's like for me it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what it is, what kind of game it is, what kind of environment it takes place in. Yeah. I, 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 well, I, no, it's I, not, I, it's not the, it's not the point of it being like literal dungeons. That's right. not what I'm thinking of. Like when you say dungeon, I know you mean like, you know, this whole area that you have to go through and there's, there's enemies and there's this and that and all that, you know? Um, but I never really seen, like I've seen a little bit of that, but it wasn't that big. It was like, uh, this was when I was fighting a, a, I believe it was a gang, um, and you. Uh, it was like this street that was barricaded off, and you go through the barricades, you start fighting people, and you enter this like abandoned house that is like in a wreck, and it's very very small. But uh, that's like the only thing I basically. There are some areas later on the game that are like three, four, five levels. So. Oh, okay. But. Huh. but uh... So um, overall, uh, this game, as you mentioned earlier, uh, reviewed very well when it came out. Uh, uh, there were a lot of very favorable, uh, uh, favorable press for it. Uh, a lot of you know, a lot of people gave it high marks. Uh, considering considering the tortured nature of its development um, and the very ambitious franchise it was based off of, is pretty much everything the developer could hope for i, I it's think because it's really surprising because yeah. there's a lot of games that go through development heck and yeah. uh it's it's not it's not it's understandable like i mean if you take a look at like a duke nukem forever yeah something although duke nukem forever is like mediocre <laughs> i don't see why people say it's terrible maybe because of how long it it took to come out but i i feel like it's all yeah right. this was in yeah, yeah, this was a development hack for like four years compared to the twenty years that Duke Forever was. So yes, but so um... it's it's different. But 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 when you think of the de- development hack, like the first thing you think of is like yeah. a, in modern times a Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, so most of the most of the reviewers praised the game for some of the same reasons that you and I have already mentioned. Uh, they thought it was very unique, uh, very ambitious, uh, a very a very computer like RPG uh, RPG slash action game like available for console. Um, they thought it did a great job of fitting a great job, a great job of fitting like a fitting, a fitting like the Shadowrun franchise and Shadowrun world. 
Um, and they thought it was a very ambitious adventure game that was bound to keep, uh, bound to keep, you know, bound to keep like people playing it like for a long time, yeah. which, which back then was what you wanted from a game. Um, oh yeah. Well, I mean like <laughs> older games back then were very, yeah, very right. long compared to newer games. Uh, but yeah, it's just... not that there wasn't like some very long involved uh, involved modern games, but uh, oh no, not I'm not saying that, but 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 games being overall more expensive back then because of inflation and everything, when you bought a game, you definitely wanted to get your money's worth out of it because you didn't have the options. Yeah, the you options. didn't want to finish the game in in three hours, but but now we have indie games where <laughs> there there are experiences where you pay ten fifteen dollars and get like three or four hours out of it, and that's completely fine. Right, right. So, but for various reasons, this game did not sell very well. Um, some of the some of the blame certainly some of the blame can certainly be put on to the publisher, a Data East. They didn't really quite know how to market the game correctly. I think um, you could it, just say you can shoot things and kill things, and <laughs> it's got to sell, right? Uh, part of the part of the part of the reason it didn't sell very well, also, I think, in doing research, the research research on this game is that. Um, it really, how can I put this? Um, the game didn't really quite know what kind of gamer that it was appealing to. I think. Okay. Um, because it, because anybody anybody who enjoyed computer RPGs is going to be like, why would I want to trade? Uh, why would I want to check out this slow ass, grindingly cursor computer like RPG on this on this console when I have much better, deeper experience like my PC over here. So they were interested in playing the game. The your typical console gamer at the time was more interested, like more interested in fast-paced action, uh, action platform, yeah. uh, fighting game stuff. So they were interested to they interested to like checking this out. It just I think it was a victim like a victim of coming out at the wrong time period, not having the right and not having the right a um, uh, gamer in mind for it. Uh, if the game had come out in later years, I, I, later years, I think. Um, I think it like would have done fine because Super Nintendo was a perfectly admirable platform for the game. There's nothing wrong with the platform that's on. If uh, this game came out on PC like last year, and you know, like there, not know, even like this last year, a console release. Well, I mean, the thing is, but, but the look, look at it. Go as a PC game. I, I it's like would have sold the hotcakes. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Look at it. Like if it was like released like a year ago, and it was exactly the same way it was, but it was made for PC. Mm-hmm. In that being that the cursor was movable with the mouse. mouse. Yeah. Uh, like this game would have sold millions, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think it's just just a combination of the fact and like it's said a before, victim of the 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 arrow. Part part of it. Yeah. Also, 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 another problem. Another problem, I think, and and uh, and this will and this will segue very nicely into later wrap up thoughts. As you mentioned earlier, uh, in which I agree with you on this point, the game feels unfinished. It feels fractured. It definitely shows, I think, the fact that this game was picked up by somebody else halfway through development. Yeah, uh, and it, because they were trying to shoehorn different ideas and different philosophy into it and whatnot, and you don't really know how much the game was carried over, like original original to end. And the DDs made the mistake about going for a more uh, like for more uh, less adult version of the script. Uh, when, I, when I think the game would have done better if they stayed, like stayed to the original mature. The, the problem script. is, so. who knows if it would have been released if it did have all the adult stuff. True. Yep. And or it might have been yeah. censored and it might have ruined the game. 
Right. So, I mean... So, maybe it was for the best. But, yeah, I mean, like, this game... Now, I'm an old-school gamer. I'm still an old-school gamer. I have patience for games like this. Like, you know, I grew up I grew up playing games like this on both the computer and the console because I've always been a very equal opportunist gamer on, on both systems. But... I think this game is does okay on Super NES. I think we've done better better on the PC, but I admire the company for wanting to make a PC-like adventure slash action game like on the console because that because the consoles didn't have a lot of games like this. So it definitely definitely was a very unique game filling a very unique niche niche. And Shadowrun was very popular at the time period. So, um, yeah. but for me, the combination the combination of the fact. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, that the game is very difficult, uh, requires requires a good deal of grinding. Doesn't really give you any, uh, doesn't give you enough hints uh, to help you to be able to figure out where to go, what to do, or how to be able to progress to, to progress the game. I mean, you, eventually, if you stick with it, you you figure those things out. But how many people, how many people, particularly back then, were willing to spend the four, five, six hours getting lost and frustrated and killed over and over and over again in the game? Uh, to be able to find out like what was good, like what was good about it. I think the game the game kind of leads kind of leads kind of leads like a bad foot. Um, and not not having handholding is good in the game. True, I agree. But some when some would have been helpful. when it's when it's to the point where um, you're not getting any tips or any indication of anything. Uh, you have a you have a problem because you need to. Um, there, there is a way to tell a player something without having to pop up a specific dialogue box and and explain every single detail. Hmm. You know, you you can put like like some kind of warning or something. Maybe put a sign, something. There's there has right. to be something you can do. And they they didn't do anything. Um, and yes, you can walk into an area and just meet your demise very easily. Right. Which so. I've almost done. Uh, I walked to that corporate building and there were bodyguards and I had enough sense to leave when I had half health. Right. I killed like one or two guys, but still. And like mm. I said earlier, um, I've seen a lot of complaints, complaints from gamers where they, where they, like they allocated their points in the wrong, like in the wrong areas or spent their money on the wrong things. And then, but that's a problem. And Not to only this game. It's a problem to a lot of games like this. True, but it's more aggravated in this game, I think, because the fact the game gives you so little guidance. I mean, you can look at a game that came out, I believe it was a year after this. Fallout was 94? Fallout's a great example, but the difference is yeah. that Fallout allows you Fallout allows you allows allows you to play allows you to play through that game and be able to beat it and have fun like do well in beating the game in, in multiple ways. Well, the thing is, if you put your attributes in incorrectly, you can still win the game though. I mm, there there are so many ways to win that game that you can do there numerous are, options. But the thing is, you can there are you can get to a point where you're totally screwed because. You know, this stat is not strong enough, and the alternate way, well, that strong, that stat isn't strong enough either. Well, yeah, you it is possible to screw yourself over in that you game. You definitely can make you definitely can make life harder for yourself in, in that game. But yeah, and it's not it's not clear as well right. either in that game, but it it is it's kind of easier to tell, right? But yes. just, but but anyways, uh, with this game Shadowrun, um, it's kind of a mess in a way that. Uh, 
you literally know nothing and you will not know anything until you stumble upon the answer. Right, exactly. Yes. So, uh, in conclusion, in conclusion, would I recommend this game? That uh, that depends. Um, if you're a fan of Shadowrun, by all means, check this game out because, like you know, there's so few Shadowrun games out there, and I think both this game and the, and, and both this game and the, and the Genesis game are worth checking out for different reasons uh, because they both the games try to do different things, um, and they both do an adequate job in expressing both those ideas. So, yeah. um, if you like. So, so if you enjoy adventure games uh, of this of this time period, definitely check this one out because this game definitely is very unique. Like we said, it's very it's very uh, interesting in, in how it tries to explore gameplay concepts and, and some of the aspects and gameplay mechanisms. There are things in this game that I never even heard of, just like on the games before. So this game is certainly so this game is certainly certainly certainly. You know, very unique, and, and I gave it a lot of kudos. You like for that fact. Um, yeah. I recommend I recommend playing this game with a walkthrough on hand. Um, there's no shame, I think, in looking at one to help you help you figure out figure out the best ways to automate your character and and to figure out where to go next and how and that kind of stuff. Uh, you certainly save yourself save yourself a lot to save yourself a lot of time and aggravation. Um, if you know what to do, I was telling George's uh, George's off mic before we started recording. Uh, there are there are full walkthroughs online on YouTube for this game, with a person that with, with, where people finish the game. You uh, know, as little as um, little, little like an hour and a half with no well, cheating. Well, that's that's like right. a speed run. Yeah. So, uh, but but you know, two hours I think for a regular non speed run walk through the game two hours is 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 done by a couple of people so i think 2 hours is definitely doable if you know what to do and you have a game the system like the maximum ability so i mean you want to play a game where you definitely need to walk through to figure out what you're doing is like gabriel knight <laughs> i i've been playing that game on which gabriel knight the first one, the, the, was it Sins of the Fathers? Yes. Yeah. I, I actually, I actually, I actually, I actually did play that game back when it came out, and, and I, I like it. It's and really I tough to, though. I managed to play the. I, I managed to get through the whole game, like I haven't, haven't even walked through. But, but did you do like up, oh, take them up, click it on the janitor? Nope. Take them up, click it on the floor. Oh nope. yeah, sure, of course. Okay, but, so yeah. yeah, that's basically what I'm doing right now. Yeah, this is like so. going to every location, like every five seconds, and yeah. Anyway. So anyway, yeah, for this game, I think you have to have a certain kind of mindset. You have to be a certain kind of gamer, I think, to really fully enjoy this game. I don't think this game is terrible, but I think this game is definitely – it certainly could have been smoothed out uh, smoothed out more, I think. It, it could be, but I feel like it's a pretty good game. I'm not saying it's like the best. It should be on like the top ten SNES games, but it's like pretty good. It's better than it has a right to be, considering its development history. Oh, yes. Most definitely. <laughs> I will say that much. That's probably the most flattering... Yeah, uh, I have to agree with that. that. That's probably the most flattering thing I can say about this game. But, um, yep. but uh, yeah, so if you don't have any patience for anything like this, though, um, the, Genesis, the Genesis version of this game, I think, is kind of more user-friendly, I think, because that game is more, like we've said, um, it's more, uh, like, it's more open... <laughs> like, it's more, like, it's more open-ended... Uh, they non-linear, so it's not quite as punishing and difficulty as this game is. So, uh, but they're both very interesting games, like I said before, for different reasons. So, uh, so, so, like, if you enjoy one, check them both out. So, like, for sure. I think the only way to, for me to easily lose my patience on a game 
is if the game keeps crashing. Which doesn't happen to console games. Or I should say shouldn't well, happen to console games. <laughs> there are PS2 games that I've played that, that like yes. to freeze up. Right up but uh, uh, Fallout, Fallout 4, to talk about modern games, i <laughs> kicking my butt with patience recently. Because all it does is crash now. But that's you're also that's, you're also you're also talking about a game time. you're also talking about a game that was not that was not crammed to like an eight megabyte cartridge so but a, um what are you talking about that game was crammed into a four megabyte cartridge oh yeah sorry <laughs> there's yeah, I don't want to get into it here because there's there's so much I could talk about that we've game. had that just like oh we've had a debate in past podcast anyway so <laughs> have we I don't even remember yeah. so <laughs> I just like to bring up anything <laughs> uh. So, um, yeah, uh, I think also playing this game, playing this game by emulation of save states, the was also like very handy because even though this game has a, save, has a battery, you can save yourself into a pretty FU situation. So uh, having multiple save states, I think, I think definitely helps you out. The, the cartridge that I got a while ago, uh, there was a save still on it and somebody beat the game and maxed out all the stuff. The stats. I love checking out saves like that. That's so. Uh, I'm just like, okay, yep. Mm-hmm. That is so. Yeah, yeah. That is so freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But uh, it's insane because, like, you know, this is these are one of the, this is one of the cards that the battery is still alive somewhat. Yeah. Ugh. That's definitely yeah, Jeff, yeah, definitely very very impressive. Like for games that were 20 years old. That's so, so that's... scary to me. Just having my save game depend on a battery life. <laughs> oh my god! And then and then with like the the NES games where you had to like hold the reset button and then power it off because if you just powered it off, it would like wipe the save. Oh oh man! Imagine putting like 50 hours into a, like not 50, but putting like 20 30 hours into a game and then oh. We had a power outage, or oh, I turned the console off the wrong way, and I just lost all that time. Been there, done that. I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah, you and I from totally different worlds. I mean, I, mean, I grew up playing that stuff. Like, you know, that's like normal. That was like, you know, that was like part of the course. It's like, of course you did that back then. Well, yeah, I was, I was but... <laughs> growing up when I was growing up when uh, memory cards were a thing. But there, I mean, there are times where I've actually lost game game data on memory cards so but actually not to go up yeah actually not to go off too much of sidetrack here but since you brought it up uh later in the s games fix that problem uh we didn't need to, um uh, you, you could just like power the console off console off without like, having to worry about that because oh, okay. from what i understand the early the early the early batteries uh the reason they told you to hold reset down is because hold reset uh stop the power coming to the system so mm-hmm. if you just turn the power off straight away, there was a chance of it. Uh, th- there was a very small chance uh, of having like a power spike uh, that would go through this. Th- uh, uh, that would go through the game. That that happens to the systems that of that time period. There was a small power spike when you power them on and power them off. Uh, by holding on reset, you make sure there's no power spike that happens. Uh, that makes sense. That power spike had a sm- that power spike had a, had a very small chance of uh, like affecting the, you know, affecting the content of the battery, hitting that battery, making it go out for a second right. or something. But yeah, later, that makes sense. But later NES games used a better battery, like that wasn't a danger. So you could just flex like, so no longer had that. Please hold, please hold reset by turning the system off. Message off, uh, uh, your message in them. So, yeah, I see. You know, I'm not not a child of that time. So yeah. So as a matter that's of, interesting though. As a matter of fact, Legend of Zelda came out in two different versions. The version I had originally 
uh, when you went into the game, you just, you just had a regular continue save quit message on it. Mm-hmm. Later, the, the later revision of the game had a message uh, had a message on the uh, had a message uh, come up on the same screen underneath those options saying caution. When turning the game off, make sure you hold the reset button the reset button in. Uh, so turn the power off to avoid like like avoid losing to avoid losing game data. Okay, so. It's interesting because I guess people had problems with problems with they weren't with, like they do like they do. I guess people had problems with problems realizing that at first because Zelda was the first NES game to have a battery in it. So right, right, and not everybody like read the manual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, people don't like to read manuals <laughs> when, when it comes to like everything, like putting together IKEA furniture <laughs> or. Uh, <laughs> or or how to how to use a pl- how to fly a plane uh <laughs> i don't know i make sure that i that i read the manual for oh um, i always like read the manual always before i played anything back then but the only problem is you can't read manuals now yeah well there really are no manuals to play anymore but <laughs> there's like a one one page that says here's the support uh website yeah. have fun <laughs> There are some exceptions, like for example, like for example, I was pleasantly surprised uh, playing like a Zelda Link, like Zelda a Link Between Worlds on 3DS a few months ago. That there is that there actually is a, a full a full manual like available in the game that you like look at. Oh, awesome! So yeah, uh, so like the last full blown manual I've seen for a modern game was like Oblivion. That thing's like a small novel. <laughs> yes, uh, Skyrim's manual. Stuff, Skyrim's manual is pretty good too, actually. Uh, you know, I haven't looked at it, but I do have an Xbox copy of it that I got for cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe I'll look at that and see what that's about. So anyway, uh, George, we're just already... rambling now. <laughs> uh, you already mentioned some of the things you really liked about this game. Uh, what were the things, what were some of the things that you were, that you were not happy with? That I were that I was not happy with? Correct. Um... Not telling me that I was wasting my karma hmm. on on oversaturating my firearm skill and stuff like that. Um, you know, not letting you know what specific things do. Um, you know, just just in general, not making things clear on how to how to do things like sell items or buy items, stuff like that, and. Uh, the conversation system was kind of crappy uh, in a way because you could just you could just say you could like bring up a keyword like dog and say I don't know what you're talking about so you don't you don't know anything about dogs <laughs> you don't know anything about firearms or shadow runners you know nothing at all um, and you know it's just an issue of its time but yeah. like. That's why I said. That's why I said if you're playing this game now, I definitely recommend having both a copy of the manual and also like a walkthrough handy because you yeah. because 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 a little bit, a little bit of reading and a little bit of preparing and knowing what to do can really can really maximize your enjoyment of the game and really help mitigate some of those problems. I mean, being being, uh, not being pointed to go anywhere specific is a nice thing and. And you know, being misdirected and and getting getting kind of getting lost to a point where you can find new and interesting things is is cool. But when it comes to you need to have a like a good firearm skill or something because in this area there are higher leveled enemies that will blast you down in five seconds. 
it's, it's a tough thing. And also you can only save in a few specific spots. Oh yes. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's another rough thing. That's why I said, uh, emulation and save states like your friend here. <laughs> yeah. I mean like final, there were final fantasy games, uh, you know, like should have, should have been able to maybe not like save anywhere, but like if you enter a building, that's not, uh, that's, that's not filled with enemies, like a bar or something, you go on the phone and call your apartment or something and save your data. Something. Instead of sleeping in one of three beds or whatever, there's probably a few more, but <laughs> I only I only encountered three beds and you have to pay for one. Right. So So <sighs> Your apartment when you find it becomes a very handy base for you. Oh yes, definitely. Because you could also grind like two doors down. Right. So there's there's a few negatives, but nothing that's that really puts me off to the game uh, extremely. Right. So, um, like a couple other comments. Um, I think it's very interesting how like how this game how this game is one of the few games of this time period in which you had totally which you which had two totally different versions two different totally different games made by made by two totally different companies for like two different systems uh, that both use the same franchise. Yeah. You just did not see that happen very often back then. Because you, it was usually the company would get the rights to something that was that was that was encompassing all like all consoles of the time period. Flight support the game like three, four, five systems. So the fact that the fact that the fact that very different, unique Shadowrun Super Nintendo Genesis games is 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 pretty rare. There's only a couple other cases in which are in which are totally which are totally different games uh, across both platforms. I so. find it interesting that it's an Australian developer that did an SNES game and only got their rights for doing an SNES game because, you know, wasn't Australia big on Sega at the time? Well, yes. I know uh, I know they were for uh, the Master System's sake, but were they big on the Genesis or should I say the uh, Mega Drive? Both systems are popular there in Australia. Right. My former co-host, like Alessandro, said that said that he knew more people having like having like having like Sega systems. Um, right. But the Super NES did gain in popularity uh, later on, especially 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 once the library improved and when Street Fighter Two came out. Oh, okay, okay. But, but they, um, but uh, yeah, I think it. They didn't say in the history the history of this game. I, like I said, I speculated before that the rights that the rights to the game originally were originally for the PC for, for like PC version of the game, right. and then probably later on, um, some somebody else was able to obtain the rights to the the, the, the Sega console, and they were like, "Well, we have got well, we got the Super NES version that the uh, uh, rights left, so let's uh, so let's like so let's like port it over to that." Or so, maybe it was that it was easier to port to the SNES because it has more power, maybe. Mm. Well, both systems you kind of you, they, 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 both systems are pretty are pretty equivalent in processing power. You, you, even, uh, are they? They use different processors, but yeah. um, the Genesis uses the Genesis uses 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 sixty eight thousand, which is the same, the same processor used in the Amiga uh, Amiga and the Macintosh. Okay, so, so it's a very versatile it's a very versatile like versatile processor. Right. Uh, the Super NES one was more custom built, um, but I thought the SNES was more powerful than the Genesis, though. In certain ways, without getting into a whole tech 
uh, text I track like right now, oh. there were certain things. There were certain there were certain ways. Certain ways in which the Super NES processor was better. And there were certain ways in which the, in which the Genesis, Genesis processor like was better. Maybe uh, they just found the SNES more suitable. I'm not sure. They very well may have. Yeah, because uh, there are more there are more adventure type games. Uh, adventure type games like the Super NES. Said it was the Genesis. So they yeah. simply felt the market just like would be better. Uh, like for that. So um, this is so insane, though. You just <laughs> you just think about it, like back then, this hardware wasn't wasn't that powerful. So a lot of stuff had to become had to come into consideration as compared to today, where right. yeah, like you know, you can put almost whatever you want now, basically, mm. um, as long as you have the budget and the time. Um, that's insane. I mean. Think about it. Not not that long ago, compu- like even for computers, you some lower end computers you had to put it into like sixteen bit colors for some games because thirty two bit would be like using up too much power. Right. Yeah. It's it's I don't know. It's it's crazy for me to think about that. Hmm. So, uh, so, something else. Like something else I'm going to mention. Uh, we didn't. Uh, as though to. I did mention real briefly to be the real briefly briefly be in this podcast that there the podcast that there uh, that there is that there that there is one of the podcasts that's come out that they come out that's covered this game, uh, and this actually ties back into my history of the game because I never played this game back when it came out. Uh, I totally I knew about Shadowrun, but like I said, I never actually have played it, and this game totally flew into my radar. I I, I never even heard about this game uh, either version of the game really really until like uh, like a uh, uh, like about like two three years ago, um, there is a podcast out there who I'm a fan of, uh, which is also which is which is also which is also retro themed, uh, which is called Watch Out for Fireballs. Um, they covered both the Super NES Genesis version uh, version of Shadow Run uh, in uh, in a podcast a couple years ago, and that kind of got me interested in checking out both versions of the game and playing playing for a little bit. I put them both down again before too long because reasons, like I already said. But um, but yeah, if you want more coverage of the game, uh, I definitely recommend checking out checking checking those episodes. Uh, you can find the podcast like very easily like very easily like we're doing a Google search. So um, I'm glad to see somebody else out there has. has Given some, has given, has given, has given some attention to like this game. Uh, oh, one, yeah. uh, one of the hosts mentioned that mentioned mentioned this game. This game, this game's childhood favorite of his because he actually because he actually played the game back when it came out. Um, and he and he actually and he actually put through all the time and effort to beat the game. So he has a lot of nostalgia for it. And I think and I think nostalgia goes a long way. I do that toward liking something because I definitely. Oh yes, it does. I definitely there there are games there are games people there are games that people that people. Find and playable now, and I'm like, oh, that's Charter, your Charter, our favorite of mine because I played it a lot, uh, a lot back when it came out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the fact that, and the fact that one of the hosts had the game back then compared to compared to the other host playing the game now, new for the first time, gives a very gives a very interesting they they, they, they interesting perspective on it because, like I said, neither George or I have an experience with this game back when it came out. So. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah, um, if you want to hear a different, a different slightly take, uh, like in the game, because like I said, this is such a, this is such a unique, uh, unique and underlooked game that hardly anybody has talked about it, but, uh, but if you want to, but if you want to hear more about it, I, I definitely, I definitely recommend, I definitely recommend checking out like both episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, there is a Easter egg in this game, George. How is this for blowing your mind? Uh, there is a secret debug room in the game where, uh, like where you can get 
the uh, the names uh, the names of the people who worked in the game, as well as also uh, as well as also get money, karma, and access and access to hop to the hop to later parts of the game uh, like immediately. Oh, where is this? Can you and, get to it? And this was not found out until three years ago. <laughs> oh wow! So for twenty years, nobody knew about this. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I'm trying to think. There were oh, like uh, like Puncho. They found something recently yes. about another uh, tell in the crowd. You know? Right. So, so is there a way you can get to this room, or it's complicated? Uh, I'm not going to go into I'm, the whole process. I'm sure, they would make it complicated, <laughs> so you didn't cheat at the game. I'm not going to go into the whole process here because it's probably like because we go on for a good ten minutes and ten minutes. And you don't want to like bore anybody. I bore anybody out there. Oh, trust um, me, they're already bored. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to find out how to do this you can do, do this you can find out uh game up aq has 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 the whole process on it you have to it involves it involves standing under the it involves it involves standing under the street light uh like i said the morgue and having certain items inventory and doing uh, uh, doing certain button presses button presses trying certain order at the right time so um anyway you go through all that hassle and you finally will be able to access um, to access the access access a hidden room uh, in the game. Uh, this was actually hinted at by uh, by an interview with the developers of the game uh, a couple of years ago, uh, who who said who the ones who, who the ones who spilled the beans on it because they're the ones who said, yeah, there's a secret debug room in the game that nobody's ever found that we put in 20 years ago. Oh, I get it. They spilled the beans. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, you, and you can use that room to see credits. You can use that room to to to, to quickly hack yourself uh, stats and money, and also to hop to hop ahead to later parts of the game. I have to take a look at the yeah. So awesome. So um, I love I love seeing debug rooms and and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fact that well, also I mean that's impressive. The fact that the fact that developers had enough room they had enough room in the card to be able to put the, put this in. Uh, it was probably left over. I'm sure. I'm sure it's probably left over, like, left over, like in game designing, because it's quite common for very common for developers when making games to put in secret ways to be able to quickly boost your stats or hop around from place to place in the game or whatnot uh, to, yeah. make the, uh, to make the to, to make the testing of the game easier. But sometimes, but, but usually, but usually that's taken out. Um, every now and then, though, it's left in, and it was left in this case. But the fact that 20 years went by, that went by, nobody like nobody found it. Not even like 90 people. Not even people disassembling the game, the game ROM uh, to make playable emulation found this. So it's like, so it's like mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing to see these kinds of rooms, and and a lot of games don't even have these kinds of rooms right um, accessible in any way, or just they just don't exist. Um, one of my favorites is like the test room for Oblivion. It has a lot of crazy crap in there. <laughs> it has some test towns and right. stuff that you're not really supposed to see. But it's yeah, I, it's really interesting. So, um, as you might expect, this game did not get a huge print run. Uh, therefore, as far as Super NES prices go, it's a little bit more expensive expensive than your expensive than your common your common Super NES cards. I spent twenty dollars loose. You got a good price because this was a few years ago. Yeah, it's gone up some since then. Um, oh God! How much is it? You can find the game easily enough on eBay. Uh, there are enough copies uh, copies available available out there uh, to make you happy in both like cart like cart and CIB format. Uh, there are twenty seven copies of the game currently listed on eBay as a couple of days ago, and seventy six copies that that sold recently. Um, 
But card only pricing varies quite a bit. Uh, these, these prices include shipping. Uh, the the uh, games card card only uh, sold anywhere from twenty six to sixty dollars. Whoa. So CIB there's a huge disparity uh, in price because uh, because the game originally because the game originally came a poster as well um, and that poster is very hard to find these days. Oh, I want that poster. So you can get a so like so you can get a copy of the game complete with like you know like manual and uh, manual and, and, and cart and box in good shape for like uh, for 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 they received fifty dollars and fifty cents. Um, but it, but the most pristine copy of the game with but the manual and uh, manual and with Nintendo uh, no power advertisements don't include it went for a whopping two hundred six dollars and fifty cents. Holy crap! So there's a huge disparity in price there for CIB. So so if you want this game complete, you're gonna have to open the checkbook. Uh, card only is expensive, but not that bad. Uh, there are there are certainly a lot of there are certainly a, a lot of other Super NES games the games that go for more that go for more money. But like I said, this game did not this game did not have a this game did, did not have a massive print run, so um, so it's a little so it's a little bit more expensive to find. The Genesis the Genesis version of this game is cheaper uh, by comparison because that game had a bigger print run. Yeah, uh, and I, I seem to get lucky with some of these games like Shadowrun's price has gone up. Uh, I bought Shenmue for Dreamcast uh, mm. before the announcement for the third one came out. Oh, <laughs> so I got it for a good price. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Com- complete. <laughs> oh, but, super, uh, super pricing it is also crazy right now. Right now, anyway, because yeah. So the easy, the easy. It's 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 nice because the easiest ones basically are like uh, Master System, PlayStation Two. And like PSP, basically, uh, there are some rare PSP games, mm-hmm. but like, and those are the things that I collect. So Master System games are are very easy. Um, it's hard to find them, though. Even on like eBay, it's hard to find specific games. But uh, I've been trying to get not complete box, but I'm trying to get games that come with the case. And uh, the most expensive I've I've paid, I believe, is. Forty or fifty dollars, and that was complete in box, and that was like also imported, um, because uh, was Ultima Four uh, was not ported uh, to North American Master Systems, but it was in the UK. So uh, I spent like forty bucks for a complete copy of it. I think that game came out came out like on the NES also. Yes, but the thing is, the uh, port. completely changed the game oh yeah of course it's, right. yeah it's a completely different whereas the master system version is very dead on if it, if it, yeah yeah remember, yeah if i remember correctly four and five got got ported in the ass and six got ported super NES. did it i did not know that i believe that's correct yes interesting um, i'll have to look into that but hmm. um anyway speaking about next games <laughs> uh we don't know what we're doing for the next episode yet. Uh, we're still... we're we're playing uh, Mario Party. Uh, <laughs> that was for the SNES, right? You wish. I uh, do wish. I'm not, I'm sure somebody's like demade it, probably like for a sixteen bit graphics and whatnot. Uh, I mean, they made a Mario Party for Game Boy Advance. Oh yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, yeah, they totally could do it, but yeah, all um, you'd have to do is just kind of dumb it down a little bit, right? So, but uh, yeah. Um, there's still a couple of things George and I have to figure out. Like I have to figure out like off mic. So um, we will surprise you with the next game, I suppose.
Surprise! <laughs> um, oh, wait, we weren't supposed to surprise them yet, were we? <laughs> oh. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, surprise! We still don't know! <laughs> um, so, I want to finish this up also with a small bit of a correction. We do make mistakes occasionally, so I do want to get credit to make credit mistakes to. all the time, Greg. Um, a mistake was a mistake. A mistake was kind of a mistake from our a mistake from our um, from our recent uh, Star Fox episode was, was kind of pointed out to me a couple weeks ago recently uh, by the one and um, uh, by the one and only uh, Ferg, uh, the awesome the, the awesome Ferg and host and host the Twenty Six Hundred Game by Game podcast, and he's also done this podcast several times before in the past. Did I uh, make a mistake? No, I'm the one who really made the mistake. Um, the only mistake, the only mistake, the only mistake that you may have made was not correcting me on this. But I'm not sure how you, like how you know about it. <laughs> um, long story short, uh, uh, Ferg told me that he meant to send an audio submission uh, to us like that episode, but he's been super busy with with, with, with things going on in his life right now and whatnot. So I told him to go ahead and just send it, go ahead and just send, send that submission to us. Uh, when he can later on, we'll be more than happy to play it. Oh, um, for sure. But uh, he wanted me to say that, contrary to, contrary to what I remembered and contrary contrary to what I found online, the the um, Star Fox uh, Super Weekend contest was not limited to the blockbuster. Uh, he remembered he remembered he remembered like running the contest uh, at KB Toys also, like where he worked at the time period. How was I supposed to know that, Greg? How was I supposed to correct you on that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> You may have heard different people talk about different things, like in your experiences, like online. I don't know. I know uh, nothing of <laughs> any Star Fox. Uh, com- uh, I was going to say conferences. That's not the right word. Contests. Well, we, well, well, we, well, we did talk about the contest, like in the episode. Uh, because I'm, uh, yeah, but I I know nothing about those. Right. So because I remember because I remember uh, because I remember taking part in it. I, but, uh, but I remember it being only being uh, like only being exclusive for Blockbuster. So uh, Ferg very gently corrected me on that. So uh, hopefully he will send an audio submission at some point in the future, talking about to, talking about his own experiences uh, working that weekend, because that'd be kind of fun to you fun to hear about. I want people to correct me because we'll be getting messages every episode. We would love corrections. Yes. Oh, you know what? I think you, <laughs> yeah, it's like. I think you corrected me enough on some of these episodes. But, uh, yeah, we don't get a lot of feedback, unfortunately. But we know people are listening, but we don't get any feedback, which is okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nice when, when people reach out. But... Right. But, so, yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, if you have any comments at all, uh, please uh, please feel free to send them in to us. Uh, you can reach me directly uh, by email at the SNES podcast at yahoo.com. Or you can also reach out to me and uh, contact me on my Facebook page. Um uh, and you can also contact George if you play you prefer. Um, how can they? Um, uh, like, how can they? How can they do that, George? The uh, best way would probably be Twitter. Uh, uh, my Twitter handle is at Mister Chief. That's at M I S T U R C H E E F. And and from time to time, I actually get some follows and I get some uh, tweets from people who who say that they they like me and that's very nice of them to say that um but uh they don't need to say that no they do need to say that but um yeah no i want to say like a week or or so ago i actually got a tweet from somebody saying that they really enjoyed uh master system masterpieces and they're trying to catch up on it uh which is not very hard because it's a monthly podcast uh but man you know we need to we need to get scheduling down better on that but uh 
that's that's a story for another time. But yeah, you you've been to some other podcasts out there. Like, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we won't mention any names, <laughs> but you know who you are. Yeah. But um, yeah, no. Twitter is probably the best way because um, I usually have my phone with me, uh, and it will it will pick it up. Uh, but you should listen to the other things I do, uh, which are podcasts. Those things I do are podcasts. Um, I do Master System Masterpieces, like I said before. It's a uh, Master System podcast. Um, Family-friendly like this. Uh, the, that's monthly, as I said before. Uh, I need to really get get uh, better with the scheduling and, and editing times. But, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be, supposed to be monthly. <laughs> um, other than that, Greg and I do PlayStation Power, which is not family-friendly. Um, and you can tell that we have a lot of fun on that podcast. Uh, and I also do VR Enclave, which is also not family friendly. Um, that is like that in itself is like development heck, uh, because I am so busy with a lot of things with work and whatnot right now. So we haven't recorded an episode in a while. And then there is the one up gaming podcast that I come on once in a while. Uh, again, due to my busy, somewhat busy schedule, can't be on there all the time, but, uh, I was on one of the recent episodes and, uh, that's, that's as far as I know, not, I don't think it's censored in any way. So, uh, uh, uh we get pretty punchy, on that podcast, <laughs> it gets it gets pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 basically it for me. Cool. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yes. So uh, both of us, both of us, are, both of us are trying to stay very busy with the podcast, like everything else, doing everything else that we do. So. Uh oh, the uh, cops are coming to get you. <laughs> <laughs> coming to get somebody, but uh, um, but uh, <laughs> Greg, you're podcasting too much. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, compared to some people I know. You're not podcasting enough. Exactly. <laughs> but then yeah. again, yeah. But then again, I'm not. But then again, I'm not the beneficial, uh, the beneficial recipient uh, of a successful Patreon, which is making like thousand dollars a month uh, either. So uh, let's do a Patreon, Greg. <laughs> first incentive, you know, first incentive is a thousand dollars per person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have enough to offer. <laughs> Uh, and the thing, yeah, the thing is like, yeah, I've, I started doing these podcasts because I, I had the time and now it's just like, I, I have, I'm just doing stuff for work and I need relaxation time. And yeah, it's like, man, it's just like, it got so busy after I started doing all these podcasts. So that's, that's usually, that's usually what happens. So, but a lot of this is, is labor of love or labor of interest. Yes, definitely. I uh, mean, yeah. We're both checking out games we never played before in the past, like this game, to, uh, like this episode. So that's good. Right. So. Especially with you and the SNESs, you had one uh, when it came out. And with me and, like, the PlayStation 2, because I played that up until, like, I want to say, like, 2007. Mm. So, right. Yeah. You know, like, I, I had time to play a lot of PS2 games. Right. So, whereas my experience with the PS2 was more of a grad school system system for me. So yeah, but, <laughs> but, but uh, you've you've shown me some interesting games. Like, yes, uh, was Shadow of Destiny. Yes, that was a very interesting game. Right, but uh, 
and and there's gonna be like more like more like more like more of those games coming up pretty soon i think so but, oh, really like for both podcasts so stay, so stay tuned so don't touch that dial <laughs> We've rambled on long enough, uh, so so like made it this far. Kudos to you, thank you very much. We appreciate your support. Blah blah blah. You know the drill. So uh, thanks again. I all. like power drills. <laughs> <laughs> bye. I say good night, George. I just said bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Uh, that's a wrap. Nintendo controls eighty percent of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep power.